And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fear is gone. Because I. Christians long ago were brought before a tyrant's throne. They were told that he would spare their lives if they would renounce the name of Christ. But one by one Live our lives 
to be in church again tonight. We welcome you all. Appreciate everybody that came out and made an effort to be a part of it. You know, we enjoy being with each other. We are what we call the church, but we are here for one, and that's Him. And I, I just want to focus on Him a little bit and take a little bit of time and just look upon Him. Just wanted to make a couple of quick announcements. So as we mentioned on on Sunday, um, be leaving tomorrow afternoon, um, going to Ghana and Nigeria, be a number of days in Ghana, then a convention in Nigeria. The convention is um, with Brother John Ogu's old church. It's actually, Brother John's passed away 10 years ago, but this was a 50-year anniversary, and they wanted me to come in, in September, but they, I couldn't, and so I'm here for the convention. So I, I certainly appreciate your prayers. And we'll pass on greetings to the saints there. And I know you'll be taken care of here. God's given us a good diversity of ministry. And the brothers will be ministering. They all work together. And uh, if there's anything in particular you can, that needs to be relayed, you can get it to Brother Andrew. Him and I will be in communication. And as well, we've got some very good deacons that are here to assist you and help you in any way that you would. So appreciate you all working together and uh, standing together. We, we need to do that more and more. Also, Brother Max will be leaving this weekend. He'll be going to Alaska. So I'm going to Africa, and he's going to Alaska. And uh, he's, from, he's from the warm countries that I'm going to, and I'm from the cold countries, but we're just switching roles for this, this weekend, right? God bless Brother Max. He'll be ministering for Brother Flint Take, and uh, may God use him and bless him as well. And Bless the people that are there. Also, just a quick update on Brother Bob Combe. Uh, he's at the Glen Rose Rehabilitation Center, and I uh, went to visit him the other day. He's recovering very well. Um, anyway, just went to encourage him, and after being with him for about 15, 20 minutes, I'm the one that felt like I was lifted up. I'm the one who felt like I was blessed. He's such a faithful brother. You know, sometimes you're with people and they drain your energy and other people lift you up. I'd rather be in the second class and let me be somebody that's a positive influence and, and leaves, leaves a positive impression. 
And uh, we need, there's enough negativity. We, need, we, can, we don't have to do that. Let's, let's be everything we can to help one another. And so Brother Bob is recovering. Um, I, I believe that they'll be just opening up for visitors in a limited way, but he, during the day on the weekdays, he's doing rehab, so maybe more towards weekends or evenings, and if, you, if anybody would feel it. Uh, just like I said, not all at once. I, I don't know how we can govern that, but uh, anyway, I, I know he's, he's appreciative of all the support, and uh, amen. Let's just sing a chorus, Shut In With God, Shut In With God. <clears throat> Shut in with God in a secret place. for the songs that can be sung. And Lord, we're thankful to, for this little place, this sanctuary we can come to. But Lord, we really know that the meeting place tonight is not just in a physical building, but Lord, it's in a spiritual place where the Spirit of God comes and connects with the Spirit that's within us. Something that we, oh Lord, can't ourselves control, but something you've placed there. And how grateful we are, Lord, as our brother sang those songs earlier in the song service. So glad I'm yours, Lord. And then just to think, you know, the more that we surrender, the more that you can enter in. Lord, what precious communion we could have. Lord, how the world tries to rob us. But Lord, tonight, let us, as we're under the sound of the gospel, the moving of the Spirit, would you just minister to us, Lord? Lord, I, I pray we're insufficient to help one another, but we depend on you. Would you just come, Lord, minister to your people? You're always faithful. And I ask now, Lord, as we just open the pages, that you'll just get in the word, that you'll come to every heart and every soul. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 119. And uh, uh, this was a scripture. A young man and I were fellowshipping on the other way day. And I, I think it's probably one of my favorite scriptures because 
It spoke so much of what was in my life in the early days, God's dealing. And I still appreciate God's dealing. I appreciate that he comes to us. And, and uh, when we sing, sing that song, he came to me. I, I think he still keeps coming to us. And so glad, so glad. And if I can just tonight, maybe in a way, it's not so much just a big preaching service as it is just to be grateful to God and to give him thanks and to appreciate what he's done and what he's doing. So we'll read Psalms 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against me. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thine word. Second Corinthians chapter 4. I'll read two verses there. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I will not preach. I told a few brothers I'm going to be away October 31st, so maybe I'll bring my Halloween message tonight. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I did actually have a, a title, but I'm not going to go into that. But... Uh, Anyway, how many just happy to be a Christian? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, I'll read one more scripture. Um, my title tonight is, What Hath God Set in Your Heart? And I, I, I'm, I'm making that a question. I want to make it more personable. Uh, I, I could have taken it different directions. I, I could have, you know, framed it differently. What has God planted the hidden mind of the heart, but I, I want you to think about this for yourself. What has God set in your heart? And I don't want to make this broad-based, but I want to make it more particular and what we respond and how we respond. But in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, I'm just going to refer to one scripture there. It says in verse 8, and God which knoweth, sorry, I think I may have given you the wrong one. I'm going to just make sure I've got the right one. I'm going to read this because it's good, but I want to read another one that I was looking at, and maybe I didn't put them both in. Um, okay, yeah, the other one is, okay, let's just read from verse 8. And God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did to us. Now jump over to verse 18. And in verse 18 it says, Known unto God 
are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now, how many believes God has a plan? In the midst of Satan's Eden, God has a plan, and it's not a haphazard plan. God has actually specific actors. God has uh, planted seeds. God has set in, in our hearts to fulfill and to do something. He has put something in us that can respond to the word that he has delivered in this age. So I'm, I'm going to just refer back to Genesis chapter 1. You know, I'm not going to turn to it. But in the message, Rising of the Sun, Brother Branham would say this. The sun, the rising of the sun, there was a time when the world was laying in utter darkness. And he said it was without form and void and it was covered with water, laying there dark and dismal and a gloomy atmosphere. And the Spirit of God moved on the water and God said, there, let there be light. And now Brother Branham would say, God had a reason to do that. For down beneath that water, there were seeds that he had planted. And it had to have sunlight to make it live. So he says the first light that was ever given in the earth was God's spoken word. And when it struck the darkness, that light struck the darkness, it brought forth a creation of joy and life upon earth. And now I, I want you to think about another piece of flesh, another part that was full of darkness one day. And I want you to think about when the light struck you. And when it came to you, it wasn't what you did. It wasn't what I did. It wasn't me saying one day, well, I think I'm going to be a Christian. No, I had nothing to do with it. God had put something in me that at a certain time and a certain season, I could not help but respond. And that was the grace of God. And I'm, I'm so grateful this morning, I, as I was early in the morning and just so many things to do today and thinking about the service, and I had a brother call me from, from Africa, and, and, uh, and, and we just chatted for a while. He's a friend. He's been a friend for many years, and we hadn't talked, and I just, after I hung up, I just broke down and started crying because he got into some thoughts that were just so precious to me. And I, and I just reflected, God has bound us together years ago in, in, in our testimonies. I was a young man and he was a preacher and, 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 and out of all of that, we've had a, a close friendship. But we, we were just recounting and he, and I was just saying, oh, the grace of God to me that even when I, who was born in the message, and not born in it, but, but around the framework of it, and, and I was around it, and, and I had, you know, a, a father that had a different religious persuasion, a mother this way, but God put something in my heart that desired truth. I said, I don't just want what mom wants. I want what, what's real. I want the God of creation. Now, that wasn't something good in me. It was what God had placed in me. I could only respond to it. And I said, I'm so glad that was there. I'm so glad that there was something in me that, that I couldn't even control. But God was in charge, and he was moving me. And you know what? He's still moving us today. Sometimes we get it all figured out and we think it's up here and it's what I have to do. You know what, I, I, we can preach the message. You know, you gotta do this and then this will happen, you gotta do this. But really, it's way deeper than that. 
It is way beyond. And yeah, we've got to present ourselves. Yeah, we've got to be at the appointed place. But really, when that strikes you, you can't control it. When, when you come to a service and say, well, I'm going to get a revelation today of such, you, you have no control over that. I have no control over it. And God is faithful, and he will bring everything into its place. So he says here, God is the fountain of grace and power and all divine wisdom. And it said he created his word. He sent his word. So all those seeds that he placed upon the earth, he formed those seeds by his own word, and there was no, no nothing else to make seed out of him. He placed them. They were beneath the water, and he just said, let there be. You know, and, and you know, we, we've referred to Mary, you know, how, how Mary would you know, just as a young girl and the prophecy of Isaiah that a virgin would conceive. But, but there was a womb that God had ordained that would receive that word. And he placed something in her, even from young. And maybe the first time she read it, her heart was warmed. And, and she began to wonder, and she began to ponder. You know, maybe it didn't happen all at once. But there was a womb that was predestinated to receive it. God had sent the word. He, he had placed it. It was there. But it was waiting for someone to get, to, to get into their position. And God knew that time would come. And he knew it would have to be. Just like he knew that you and I would be here. He knew where you're sitting today. He knows what's ahead. And he's in control. I, you know, this is so much. Somebody, somebody said one time, you know, this whole thing is rigged. I said, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm a part of it. <laughs> In a positive way. So as, as Brother Branham would go on and just reading a couple of quotes, this is out now out of God's power to transform. He would say how in Genesis 1, God would, would talk about how he created man in his own image. And then it seemed like in Genesis, you know, he said, let there be light, let there be this. And it seems like God is repeating himself. But yet it was God, God had, was forming something. He was doing something. He was bringing it to pass. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it, that it was that way. Now, I've I got to just slow down for a moment. But So that was in the very beginning. Now, he had man, and man was uh, a perfect being. And we know because of the fall, and there was a fall, and, and as a result of the fall, now there was a different nature in man. And, and let, let me read this from the Ephesian church age. Now, God always has desired to indwell man. Adam was an expression of God. He knew he had the mind of God. He had the spirit of God. He knew the thoughts of God. Adam was not deceived. Adam was, was all God, and yet Adam, there was a helpmate, there was a part of him, the feminine part of him, which was the byproduct, <coughs> and, and it was Eve that was deceived. Now, now, it was made that way for a purpose, and, and yet Satan knew this all along, because as much as God wanted to indwell, so did Satan want to indwell. And out of the church ages, he said, Satan wants to indwell man even as God does, but God has reserved himself that right. 
Satan cannot do that. God alone appeared in human flesh. Satan cannot and, and does not, he does not have created powers. So the only way Satan can accomplish what he wanted to do was enter the serpent even as he entered by evil spirits the swine at Gadaria. God does not enter animals, but Satan can and will accomplish his ends. He could not have a child directly by Eve, as God did by Mary, so he entered into a serpent and beguiled Eve. He seduced her, and did, thus did Satan have a child vicariously. Now here, here's, here's where it came to. The child that was there, which was Cain, bore the full spiritual characteristics of Satan and the animalistic, sensual, fleshly characteristic of the serpent. No wonder the Holy Spirit said Cain was of that wicked one. Now those lineages were kept apart. They were kept apart through uh, much of the book of Genesis, through, through 2,000 years, but it was in the days of Noah that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they began to mingle. And you'll find that the lifespan of, of the seed of God reduced from under a 1,000 years to just a little over 120 years because it was the intermingling. So thus we find ourselves where we are today. We, are, we, we have a nature that we were born with that was the result of the, that in the back in the Garden of Eden. How many are really grateful for the revelation of serpent seed? Uh, there, there's no way we could overcome because we would be the most frustrated people if we would recognize in our flesh we, we need to do this, we need to come to this level, but we find ourselves falling. But through the revelation we understand that this flesh is not yet redeemed, but it will be redeemed and in the meantime, we have been given something greater within. And, and it, can, it can reign and rule. We'll still stumble. We'll fall. But, but we, we can have victory where we know why it is this way and we know where we're going. Now, it is such a pivotal doctrine to do. Now, here comes uh, Solomon. I'm going to refer to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Solomon, really the wisest man on the earth at that time, and this is in the Old Testament. And Solomon makes some, some statements here that, that I'm, I'm just going to build on a little bit. He, he will say, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 10. I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart. Now, this is how you were born. This is how I was born. It, it, you know, when, when the question of obedience versus disobedience, yeah, if you were trained right, you had it, but it, it was a nature to, to just try it, to just be disobedient. The world is in, in the heart of, of an, of, of the, as a part of the original birth. And, and so, as a part, he set the world in their hearts so no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now let's just go over to verse 18. 
And, and here, I, I'm not reading all of it, but here's Solomon, and he's, he's trying to, you know, the wisest man, and he's trying to figure out all these things. But he says this, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. Now, you, you take and you get away from, from God and from prayer and from the Word, and, and, and I'm not advocating this, I'm not saying it, but it, if you find yourself away, the fall, the thinking, the animalistic tendencies come up very quickly. We, we have a governor called the Holy Spirit and I want to be under that continually because without that, without that, I am nothing. And, and, and he, so he says now, if we could recognize we're beasts, we're nothing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to come to a couple more statements here. Um, if, if I just go, now let's just go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 for a moment here. And I'll, I'll refer to this as well. Ecclesiastes 8, and in here, let's just read a little bit from verse 5, and, and here's Solomon in his wisdom, who keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil, evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Now, Let's just read this and, and then I'll make comments. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore the m misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not what shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? Now here, here you know, here's, we're looking for the will of God, the plan of God, but we, we can't figure it out. We try to figure it out. And, and sometimes we make mistakes in figuring it out, even in spiritual matters. Now, now we, 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 can, we can do that and, and, and even be deceived. Like even great men of God, Samuel was told, go to Jesse's house, anoint the next king of Israel. And, Saul, and, he, and Samuel does that, and there he is, and he looks at the oldest son, surely this is the one. And God says, no, he's not the one. Now, you would think that he would have that foresight, and, and yet he went right down the line, and, and, and with his mind, he was looking for, with his heart, he was, his brain, he was looking for one thing, but the answer in his heart was not lining up. And sometimes we look for things. I, 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 we've, all been, we've all done it. I, I was just speaking of it the other day. There was a time when, you know, the blood moons were out. And like, how do the blood moons fit? And, and, and you know, we, we would look at it. Well, it's gone by the wayside, but God's plan is still moving forward. I'm, I'm going to share something Brother Daniel Mundo said. You know, we, we look at, we know that there's going to be a president that's going to be the last president. So when Obama came, everybody... Everybody said, this is the last president. This is a pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And that was it. 
Well, then his term was coming at the end, and it looked like Hillary was going to take over. And they said, this is it for sure. This is it. This will fulfill the prophecy. A woman president. And, and, and it's in the message. And we look, to, you know, it's not wrong. We're looking to see how it works, but really it's going to be God fulfilling it. So Hillary never made it. Instead, it was Trump. And we all said, it's the last Trump. Yeah, it's the last Trump. There, there'll be no more presidents after this. And he's going to, you know, and, 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 and the next thing was, you know, he's going to get reelected. Well, he never got reelected. Why? Because it was forbidden for Biden, rather. <laughs> and, and we always will move to one thing. But you know what? There's something in us when it clicks, we know it's right. Not, nothing wrong with looking, nothing wrong with presuming. But God knows the right answer. And it will be right on time. And it will click. And it will finish. But we're, we're just men and we're just trying to figure it out. But, but God knows the answer. You know, there's, there's many of these things even around the message. <laughs> you know, what was, where was it that, that even in the days of Jesus, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead while I'm here. Sister Ruth, go to, go to John chapter Oh, I got I to gotta hold my scripture here, but go to John chapter 21. And, and I just want to pick this up for a moment. <coughs> so here's John 21. This is, you know, the, the book with the eagle anointing. And, and, and this is Jesus revealing himself to Simon Peter. And here's John. He's watching all of this. And then, and then we pick this up in verse 21. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord... What's, what's this man going to do? And, and Jesus answers him and said, If he will tarry until I come, what is, thou to thee, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And so, you know, that's the words of Jesus. But now look at the next verse. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren. <laughs> that this disciple will not die. Now, you, you, it was exactly that, but it was, it, was, it was probably more up here than it was a revelation down here. Because there, there was a fulfillment, but God hides himself behind flesh. He, he even uses our, the humanity to be a stumbling block. He, he picked a prophet from Kentucky that would not sync with all the world leaders, but he used that to hide himself. But yet he reveals himself not just by our natural thinking, but by something in here that connects with that, and we don't have a control over it, but God set that in our heart. It wasn't me control. God connects those two together. And I said, never a man spake like this man. And, and even as I was coming to my own place in the message, and my mother gave me message books, and, and I, I thought, I don't just want what mom does, has. I want what God has for me. God put that in my heart. And as I, as I listened, and I heard him ministering, and I heard the prophet's voice, the one thing that came clear to me is he was always pointing to Jesus. And that God put in my heart. And I'll tell you, somewhere down the road, you will be thankful for that absolute. Somewhere you might be tested on it. 
You know, I, I've had brethren that are ministers that I've labored with and done with, and, and, and when they began to question even the very message that I believe they were ordained by Brother Branham. I'm sorry, not ordained, but they were uh, dedicated by Brother Branham. They were in Branham Tabernacle, and, and the father was a missionary, and this and this and this. And, and, and yet, when the time came and, and began to question, I'm going like, how can you question? It, it's already settled. And, 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 I, and I, I couldn't figure that out, but I, I, I'm so thankful that there's a settledness, as Peter had. He says, you know, I can't figure this out. But where else am I going to go? I'm so glad God set that in my heart. And, and it's not up here. It, it goes deeper than that. And he said this saying went abroad. I, I, I know many of you have probably heard this, but Sister Ruth, can you just have that little clip? And, and many of you have heard this. I, I mean, I heard it years ago when when uh, Billy Paul gave his testimony. And I'm, I just, it's a little short clip, and I'm going to play it, and, and you, many of you have heard it. But it, it, it's not that it's wrong, but it's... Brother Branham spoke to him and said, you'll not be an old man when sharks are swimming here. And then this saying went abroad <laughs> among the brethren because Brother Billy related it to his... That, that saying, he related that to the California earthquake. But, but is, was it that? I, I don't know that. I, I was praying, oh, let it be because, but you know, when Bill, Brother Billy Paul turned 75, I had to say, he's an old man. Let's be real. But everywhere you go, sometimes people would say, he's not an old man. Well, let's be real. <laughs> was this just a saying that went abroad <laughs> among the brethren? Let's just play this. And, and there's a much younger Tim Pruitt speaking here. I'm just going to deviate here for a moment. <coughs> I'm just going to talk about something. You've heard the testimony for years and years and years. You know, Sister Ressler, you and your husband told some of your goat friends about the California earthquake, about what Billy Paul said. Won't be, you won't be an old man when sharks will be swimming here. I know, because I received emails from them. Telling me, we were told this by Ivan and Barbara many years ago. We've heard this story told. How Brother Branham spoke to his young son, Billy Paul, after the prophecy in Los Angeles and said, Billy, where are you standing? He said, well, I'm standing here in the front. Uh, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. He said, no, where are you standing? He said, well, I'm right here in front of the May building. He said, Billy, he said, you won't be an old man when sharks will swim here. You know, we have ideas of how things are going to be, and people have built doctrines and thoughts. Now we look at Brother Billy Paul and, is 82 going to be 82 years old this year so well he's by definition an old man he says three scored in 10 and the 10 extra so how could all this be well, let me just give you some information in 
the 1970s, Brother Charlie Spencer, that's Brother Ron Spencer's father, and his wife, Sister Spencer, they were in their kitchen, like many of us did back in the day, listening to Paul Harvey News. And in the, 19, in, the, in the late 1970s or somewhere mid to late, whatever it was, I don't know exactly the date, but he reported there's been an earthquake in Los Angeles. And then he spoke of the May building and that the resultant flood from the earthquake had brought in sharks that were swimming around the May building. This very story was also confirmed by a member in Brother Jason Watkins' church. His sister, this brother's sister, worked at the May building and they were given a memo, a warning, do not go into the basement because there are sharks swimming in the basement. Sometimes we get things figured out and things have already happened for Brother Branham, supposedly, because it's not on tapes, so I say supposedly, according to Brother Billy's testimony, said there would be shark swimming there. And I'll tell you, if you're waiting on them, they've already been there. And he wasn't an old man. You'll find out this was not just some little backwoods Kentucky preacher who made up a bunch of stories one day. You'll find out this was a prophet of God. I share that just because that, that's all of us. We've, we've all been, you know, we're looking for the coming of the Lord, but we want to be focused on not our idea or have our mindset that it's going to be a certain way, but we stay in the Word and we say, Lord, how are you going to fulfill it? How are you going to do it? Lord, give me something in my heart that is activated not by my thinking, but by your word. And, and when it comes to pass, you know, it, it alarms me. And, I, and I, I look at the prophet, and because he was a prophet, and God put things in his heart, and he would, he would pick up things that no scholar would pick up. And it was for my benefit. And it was for your benefit. And it, and it, and it becomes our timepiece. Israel becomes our timepiece. And how he was thinking, even with his gift, I'm going to go down to Israel. I'm going to go and convert those Jews. And, and he's on his way. He's got his ticket. Because they'll receive the sign of a prophet. And he went down there and God spoke to him and said, Not yet. It's not the time. And even in fact, this is not the Elijah that would do that. So even this is in a prophetic realm. Brother Branham would have thoughts and ideas. And we would all have thoughts and ideas. But one thing is when you're listening to the word. And, and there's things that God deposits in there. That are things that sometimes happen subconsciously. And they anchor you. And, and you cannot get away from them. And I, I, I remember at different times. You know, God, I, there was time when there was a, all kinds of spiritual waves going through the message about a certain gift and a certain thing. 
And I remember driving down the road. I remember exactly where I was at. I was on the Yellowhead Freeway at the 97th Street intersection. And I was there. And all of a sudden, on the tape, I heard it. And he says, there's only one thing that will defeat the devil. Anytime, anywhere. That's God's word. And, and I, I anchored in my heart. And I said, that's what I'm hanging on to. And you know what? I, I, I look at it and I say, that's why I believe it's so important to listen to the tapes because sometimes you're listening and there's a little thing in the background and all of a sudden God brings it to life subconsciously. It anchors in there. And you know it's real. And you don't know the season that God's going to pull that up for your benefit. What has God said in our hearts? The message is to turn our hearts to God, to turn them back to God, to what the original fathers had. It, it, it's not to figure things out and, you know, as much as we look at the news and we do all of those things, but, you know, Mary had something greater in her than what was happening throughout all of Israel. Here was Herod and here was, or here, here was the taxation and here was all of these things happening, but inside of her she had a greater witness I know that Joseph was not the father. I know an angel that met me. I know this life inside of me is greater than what I configured in my mind. What I thought, it is the life of God. I'd say, we're, we're no different. The true bride is like Mary. And I, I, I'm just going back here for a moment because I, I don't, you know, we, we can have it figured, well... When California, when there's so many earthquakes, then I'll get right with God. Oh, friends, don't wait for that. The, 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 the birds and the beast, they would move away from the walls before the earthquake ever struck. Let me just finish this in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I didn't finish the reading, but it, it would say in verse 8, sorry, yeah, 8 verse 8, there is no man that has the power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of his death. Hey, when you die, you don't got control of where your spirit's going. It's going to one place or the other. And I say, I want to be pulled before I ever get there to know it's going the right way. And he says, there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Now let me, let me just drop down to verse 11. Because a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Now there, there was an evangelist, he was a televangelist, and, and his, his name was Baker, I forget his first name. Uh, Jimmy Baker? Yeah, I, I got to be careful. I was, gonna, I was thinking Doug Baker, and I thought, no, Brother Doug is a good man. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. Jimmy Baker, and, and what, what was his wife's name? Is anybody, this is a history lesson. Tammy, there we go. Thank you. Well, if you ever saw Tammy Baker, like Jimmy Baker, you know, just a televangelist. He had the air-conditioned doghouse. He had, like, like, you know, money pouring in. And Tammy Baker, I mean, if you looked at her, eyelashes and makeup and, and everything and, 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 and her testimony was this. He says, I put on makeup the first time and I thought, 
God would kill me. But I put it on and nothing happened. And so I did it again. And I did it again. And this is who I am. Because a sentence is not executed speedily. Oh, whew, I thought God was going to smite me. I'm okay. Listen, we can apply that thinking. Oh, well, you know, this isn't right. This isn't right. Today is the day of salvation. I, I, I would like to be led by the Spirit within me. As I read the Word, I become alarmed. And, and as, as a prophet would, and he'd say, you know, if they ever give back the eastern part of Berlin, it puts us right back in, in, the, in the Roman Empire again. That was an alarm bell. And then he took, you know, flashing red light, a sign of his coming, the way women are. That was an alarm bell. But we can gloss over that. But I want to be in sync with that spirit and say, God, you deposited your word in my heart. I, I want to move with it. And, and, and when I put on a tape, that it's not a 1956 tape or a 1963 tape. It's a current word of prophecy living in me. That's where I want to be moved by. That's, that's the message that's, that ought to be planted in our hearts. I don't know if you've ever thought in the time of Jesus, and I made reference to it the other day, but you know, Jesus was uh, born, and on the eighth day they went and dedicated him according to the law of Moses. But here's this man named Simeon. Now, God, somewhere in his life, maybe it was in prayer. Maybe it was somewhere, but he knew he had a place in the economy of God, and God spoke to him so personally and said, you're not going to die till you see the Messiah. So it set something in him that he got to looking for it. And everywhere he went, he was, God set that in his heart in particular, and at the same time, he set something in the heart of Anna, the prophetess, and, and who came to the temple at the same time. Why? God put that in two vessels to fit part of God's program in that day. Now, the program is always building. Now he's got a many-membered body. And, and it's not me telling you what to do or, or somebody telling, but it's God directing you. And maybe you've got a, you, you always thought, you know, I, I, I would, Brother Branham was dealing with this woman in the insane asylum. And she's there and she's a pretty woman and she's all of these things. And being a prophet, he goes right down to where she's at and she's going, and she says, I'm the one that needs help. He says, what's the matter? Well, this and this and this happened, and a, a, a boy got me this and that. And he goes down and he says, oh, you always wanted to marry a preacher. And when that failed, and she got into sin, and it, it set her in a course of delusion. But he comes back and brings her back to that place and said, this is what God had for you. You know, the enemy will discourage us because we think we've missed it, we've done this and this, but God is a God of second chances. If God, put, he, if God chose Moses, he's going to be the deliverer, and just because Moses tried to do it in himself, God didn't change his mind. He just said, okay, I've just got to work with Moses a little bit more. You could say the same thing about Brother Branham. He, he missed the vision. He, he learned something. 
When he was very young, he says, every part has to be, this man's hat has to be there, this woman has to be there. And, and, and God put this in his heart because he tried to make it happen in himself beforehand, but when everything was in place, all of a sudden he was at rest and God was going to do something. And, and yet he missed it, but, and then even later when he, he failed the call at Mishawaka to go with those children, God had to work in his life. And, and then when he went to South Africa instead of India, God had to work in his life. And then you, you can read this in, in the countdown message. And when he failed to go with the young man he was supposed to go to on a hunting trip to kill that brown bear, he missed the vision. And he said, you've got to be in the right place. Now, he missed it. Now, God should have dismissed him. No. But you watch him. Now, God was breaking it down so there was no more man's thinking. There was no more man's emotion when it came to the things of God. And now you find, now in 1964, he has a vision of a caribou, 42 inches. He has, he has a vision of a silver-tipped grizzly. And here he's coming, and, and the first thing he does when he goes on the trip, he says, does anybody here have a green checkered shirt? And nobody said, he said, no. He says, well, he said, maybe this isn't it. He, he knew that it was part of the vision. And he wasn't going to try and manufacture it. He wasn't going to try to fulfill it on his own. He's saying, God's going to put that piece together. Now, now just think about the events that brought that together. Here's Brother Eddie Biscoll. He's at home, and, and he's, he's got this old shirt that's shredded. I love old shredded shirts. I tell my wife not to throw them out either, but, but she, uh, she does it anyway. And, and so he's telling his wife to throw it out. Well, she stitched it up. She patched it up. And now just think about the events that brought this to pass. So in disobedience to her husband's word, she puts it in the suitcase because it has to make the vision pass. <laughs> and so here she puts it in the suitcase. Here's Brother Bisco. And, you know, he, Brother Brown's out hunting. And, and, and even Bud Southwick saying, well, I haven't seen that kind of caribou. And I don't know, 42. That's, that's quite, you know. And, and he's saying all of these things. But Brother Branham's attitude is different. He's at rest. It's going to happen. I just got to find that piece has got to be there. That's got to be there. He wasn't struggling. Why? He was set in the word. He was set that God's going to put this together. Friends, that's where we got to come to. God, you are God. You're watching over my life. You're watching over my children. You're watching over my everything. You have put this in my heart. And so here he is, you know, here's Brother Bisco, and, and, and here he's, he's walking along. Well, he falls in a stream and he gets wet. It had to happen. Now, this was all in the subconscious. He never, he never knew this was there, but who was doing it? God was doing it. And the next thing you know, he, here he goes and he opens the suitcase. Ha! That shirt. <laughs> you know, I don't know what his first thought. Sister Ruth, what did you do? The second thought is, wait a minute, didn't I hear something about a checkered shirt? So the next thing you know, hey, I won't go through the whole thing, but, but he goes right up to it, he shoots this thing, and now he's got there, and he has to lean down, and, he, and he's, he's, got, he's leaning down, he's got the tape out, and here's Brother Branham, there it is, 42 inches, all of a sudden, he's in the middle of the vision. Hey, but what built up to it? Hey, let God bring these pieces together. God's going to have a bride. And I'm a member of that. I, I believe God put that in my heart. 
Whatever comes, whatever goes. I'm, I'm a part of the program of God. I, I, I'm, I'm going to follow no matter what the devil says to me. I am a child of God. <laughs> you know, it was the Hebrew mothers. Let's just go... Let's just go to Ephesians for a moment. Ephesians chapter 1. We, we, we make the statement often, oh, thank God I'm predestinated. And, and yeah, we are, but we have to also cooperate. <laughs> and, and we have to recognize it wasn't because... God thought I was a good guy. No, it's because he put something in me that, that was greater than I knew anything about. So here it is in Ephesians, and it's Ephesians chapter 1, and here is Paul speaking in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, you know, the devil comes to you, he comes to me, he makes you think you're not. But here Paul is bringing something that we need to also feed on. See, the, who is this Melchizedek message is, is really good for this. He says, he says, Jesus, the difference between him and us is he came direct from theophany to flesh. We bypassed our theophany. Now, you don't see your theophany, but it is your word body. And, and Brother Bannon makes this statement in the message. He says, when, when you heard that eagle cry, you left off the world here, you left off there, you've heard from your theophany. It wasn't just up here, oh, I got to get a haircut. Well, maybe there was that, but somewhere it's got to go deeper than that. It's got to go deeper than dress code. It's got to go deeper than I got to pay my tithes and do this. It's got to be, I'm a part of him. He's a part of me. And let, let that get set in your heart. That is the real truth. That's the victory that will defeat the devil. But you know, so, so there's a part of us that we don't even know about. So here... According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Not that we should barely stagger in. But that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And sometimes when I see that, hey, I'm not manifesting this in the right way. I say, Lord, my inheritance is greater than just being a church member. Greater than just trying to put feathers in and pretend I'm a peacock. My inheritance is something that comes from within. Amen. And he says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Oh my, if, if, if God put something in your heart that that you don't even know why you're even here, but you can't get away from it, 
Oh, you ought to just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I don't know why me, but thank you, Lord. So glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad I'm yours. So here's, here's the Hebrew mothers and their mothers. And here they're giving birth to babies. And they're groaning in their labor pains. And, and they're groaning out the, the name of their child. But Brother Ram said it's not just the name, but it's their positional place in the land. So at the very beginning, God already had a place ordained for them, and it was there at their birth. And, and whatever God put in, in, in you, it was here before you ever came into the world when he put your name on the Lamb's book of life. You're not going to figure it out that it was there, but you're going to have a witness that said, I was there. I, I, you know, when you hear the story about Lucifer and his angels, yeah, if I was there around the water pot, I may have heard the story of Lucifer and the tale he told, but I cannot identify with leaving God. I can't identify with leaving the message. I can't identify because God is God and I'm a part of him and how could I ever leave him? But that doesn't just happen by knowledge. But it happens when you're kneeling in prayer. When you're picking up your Bible to read and all of a sudden it becomes personal. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. I still remember the day here I'm having a day at work, and I just think, I just got to get home and pray. And I get down, I get home and pray. I'm down to the bedroom, and I hardly even had a chance to drop on my knees, and that scripture came to me, beloved, now you are, and it said, I'm a son of God. That's never left me. How did it happen? Because I was in a channel, and God was revealing it to me. See, he's bringing us to a place where we recognize ourselves. We recognize who we are in him, and, and, and it is a witness that is deeper, and it's personal, and, and it has to be somewhere where, where you, you're taking it yourself. Ah, it, it's, we are in the message. No, I am the message. I am the Son of God. It's greater than that. I, and, and you know what? It, it's, sometimes it's a whisper in the darkness in a prayer. Sometimes it's just through fellowship. And somebody looks at you and says, there's something about you, and I don't know what it is. And then you, you, you just say, it's not me, it's you. Then, then, then you know, friends, we need these encouragements. We need to be in the, there's too many things that the devil will use, even amongst ourselves, to cause little things. Oh, this, this you know, my flesh and your flesh, it, it, it rubs the wrong, yeah, but there's something deeper if we can come to it. And I say, I want to I walk in that place. So here's the Hebrew mothers. I, I, I had here the, the story of Hannah. You know, what does God put in a mother that's different than in a, in a father or a man? God puts something in a mother like Hannah. You know, when, in a time when there was polygamy, it was legal, one, two, two wives, one had children, one did not have children, even though she was loved. But he put something in her that it drove her. And, and, and it was so real, it finally drove her to a place where she was in the temple, and she did not just want a son. 
but she, the cry that came out of her was, I want a, not just a child, I want a male son, and I am going to give him to the Lord. That's exactly what God wanted. And he brought, he had to use a mother. And I, as my wife and I were just talking the other day, how a mother will reach out beyond what others around are saying. How can she do that? Just look at the Aunt Jemima woman. How could she stand there? But she was a mother. And God put that in her heart. And, and if God has put it in your heart for your child, say that it is mine. God gave it to me. It's a revelation. I will not be moved from that. Why? God put it there. I didn't put it there. I, I'm going to just maybe take a couple of scriptures here, but go with me to 1 Kings 17. This is the hidden part that we don't see. We, we can, you can read the verses, but you'll never see this until trouble comes. So here, we know the story. It's Elijah the Tishbite. He calls for a famine. He's up in the brook. God feeds him with ravens. The brook dries up. The ravens don't bring any more. And God says, go down to this city of Zidon. I've got a woman, a widow woman that's going to sustain you. And we know the old story about how she had just two cakes. And she did according to the word of Elijah. She was obedient. Now verse 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman... The mistress of the house fell sick, and the sickness was so sore, there was no breath left into him. Now, this is to me an amazing scripture, this next scripture. God saved the woman and the son. And I don't know what kind of desperation the woman was in, but she said, I'm just going to fix this last meal for my son, and then we're going to die. But underneath, she must have been saying, Lord, this is my son. And, and there must have been a whisper that went far deeper than what even Elijah heard. And it was before God. So she was not just receiving Elijah for spiritual food, or sorry, for natural food and for sustenance, but she was receiving it far deeper than that. And now here she comes, and she, she says this to him. These words are almost like, like that she almost accuses Elijah. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O man of God? Thou man of God, art thou come to call my sins to remembrance and to slay my son? Now I, I want you to look what was wrapped up in her decision to feed Elijah. What was wrapped up in that was her existence, her son, her family, and her inheritance all in one. And maybe Elijah never even knew it. And now when trouble comes and it takes that away from her, she comes back to God. And, and through the vessel that was there and says, what have I done that you've taken this from me? She had a right to go back to God. I've given myself to you. I've I've raised this child for you, and now he's dying. And, and Elijah says, give me the son. And now Elijah cries unto the Lord. In verse 20, why have you brought evil upon this window, that I might sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched, it, stretched himself on the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, let me come, I pray thee. Let this child's soul come to him again. 
And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him and he revived. He took the child. He brought him down out of the chamber. Now, where did this happen? In a chamber, in a quiet place. Just, just a place where it was the, the prayer, the utterance that the woman carried to Elijah and Elijah interceding. Now, look at her testimony in verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah, Now, by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Not because the barrel of meal multiplied, not because the cruise of oil, but because he went right to her existence, what God put in her heart for the very end of the journey, and she says, now I know this is the true man of God. Friends, there's a deeper depth if we can recognize. So I was talking to the brother this morning, and, and we shared something. And, and it was at a time, I, and, and I had to make a decision. And, and, I, and it was an important decision in life. Second most important decision. And, I, and he knew the quandary. And I said, I can't go this way. I've got to go this way. Not knowing what was ahead. But God so put that in my heart. Now, I also have to tell on my wife here because she was, she was very young as a child. And, and she always had a desire. And she says, Lord, I would like to marry a minister. And she put that before the Lord. And you know what? God heard that. And saw that. Now, these things are very personal. But God put something in every one of your hearts. And, and I think you can say, okay, I, am I just called to be here? Or Lord, where is my place in the word? I think we can say, I, I don't even understand it, Lord. There, there's the upper control tower. There's the lower control tower. The lower control tower, that's the man in the engine room. That's the thirst that controls us and leads us. And it's in our subconscious level and we don't even realize it sometimes. You know what I, I say? Oh God, let me hear your small, still voice. Let, let my ear be ready to hear that. Let, let, me, let me be able, whatever you've placed in my heart for my place, Lord, I, I don't want to come short of it. I, I want to match it because you put it there. You will bring it to pass. You will manifest it. And, and it's not just what I'm figuring out up here. It's what's really down here. I want to be true. I remember, listen, musicians can come. I, I remember one time, and the devil was just tormenting me. Just tormenting me about something that had happened. And, and I, I kind of thought, maybe I've sinned away my day of grace. I was a young man. And I, 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 I began fasting and praying, and finally... You know, I'm, I'm just like, well, Lord, even if I am lost, I will still praise you. And you know what? The power of the enemy was broken. And it wasn't too long after. I read, I read something in the, in, in the message, and Brother Bram said, if you've done something and the enemy is tormenting you, he says, the moment you feel the need to repent, he said, it shows that the, there's a lifeline already sent down to you. <laughs> and I said, oh, pray. I was set free. You know what? 
the enemy is a liar. But underneath here, there's something that cannot be denied. There is something greater than all my sin. There's something God has said in my heart. He said something in every one of your hearts. Maybe it's just, one brother just told me, he says, you know what? God gave me a revelation at the beginning, and I have never looked down at it. He said, I will pay my tithes. And he says, God put that in my heart, and I'm going to be faithful to that. Brother Bob Coleman was just telling me the other day in the hospital, he says, you know, Brother Ed, when God said to assemble yourselves, he said, that's what I'm going to do. And I said, oh, God bless that man. We can't always make it every service, but you know what? I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. Do you want to do the same? Amen. Let's stand together. Greater than all my sin. (coughs) Greater than all my sins is the blood that still cleanses me. It's the grace that still sets me.
cares of 